Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about relationships. Why? Dun, 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 dun. Some of them sometimes start to feel boring. Ah, uh, yes. A lot of people are like, yeah, but that's kind of how it goes. No, it doesn't have to. It's not supposed to. It's basically because of the way we run our relationship. So we're going to cover some things we've talked about before, but also push into some new territory because it's all about repetition. Remember, it's like learning a skill, a sport, um, even a language. That's kind of my new favorite example. Uh, culinarily, you have to practice your form with a knife. You have to practice a language. Um, everything is like that, you know, and that's what's kind of woke people up during COVID is backing away from participation in certain things, help them realize how much reinforcement is necessary to hold on to perspectives and skills. Um, relationships are the same way. So we're going to kind of drop into that. If you've got a DM, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions and topics. Um, a lot of different reasons why relationships start to feel the way they feel. Now, some of it's built in because remember when we enter a relationship initially, or we're trying to build one, we want familiarity. We want consistency. Um, those are the grounding principles, familiar, reliable, consistent, accessible, responsive. Those are the things that we're trying to offer the things that we're also trying to seek. So remember that when you're out there dating or even in longer term relationships, consistent, available, reliable, responsive. That's what you're trying to create for your partner. It's also what you're trying to look for in a partner. But what does that do? Well, sometimes that shuts down the newness, the novelty, the excitement. You know, early on, we don't know the person. So any time spent with them is exciting. You know, we get that little dopamine hit every single time we see that they sent us a text message or they send us something or they call us or we get to see them. But the natural process of da -da 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 habituation kicks in and this becomes familiar and it's not able to provide the same dynamicism that it used to. But everything's like that. You know, the last or a couple last bites of an ice cream cone or whatever ice cream will always have diminishing returns. It's always going to be the most exciting before not even, not even while we're eating, you know, dopamine is very anticipatory in its release. And so the most exciting moment of things are often on our way. And when it first begins, but then again, it starts to get familiar and comfortable relationships are like that because of the way we run them. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It just kind of is. And we want to then live with them, which means we then see them all around the clock. So think about how much habituation occurs from that. We, we live with them. We, we are never apart from them. They're often in our beds every night. We wake up with them. We spend time with them. That will naturally decrease some of that. 
does that mean that we should never live together? Well, there's a case to be made for that. And there are people that are doing that and making that case saying, why would I want my relationship to have to deal with some things that come up when living together when we don't have to? We could still see each other, spend the night together, but living in the same household, now we're going to have to deal with the tension and the fighting around small things, um, leaving dishes in the sink, uh, cleanliness, factors that are, are inherently going to make some things a little more complicated. Is that necessary? Is that required? Well, it depends. Some people do advocate for allowing distance and space. Some relational theorists have said things like, my partner is not my friend. I don't put that expectation upon them. I keep them focused on being my romantic sexual partner, and I'm very thoughtful about that separation. Other people want to get all their needs from their primary partner. They all have different positives and different negatives. Living with someone has some positive negatives. Not living with someone you're in a long-term relationship with has some positives and negatives. So right now, we're just laying down the foundational theory as to how that comes to be talked about this a lot, and I'm going to talk about it a lot more because I want this to really be something that's burned into people's brains, but we have to always stay in the courtship cycle. A relationship is a verb. It's an action. It's not something that's a possession that we get or we have and take ownership over, and then the work is done like a pair of sneakers that, oh, I got them. I own them. Now I just stick them in the closet and I leave them there. Relationships are like a plant. You have to check in on how much sun does it need or not need, how much water does it need or not need. Am I, am I engaging it? Otherwise, it will die. Relationships are the same way. A quote I love is that love never dies a natural death. It dies because we don't replenish its source. It dies of weariness, of withering, but never of natural death. And that means if we stay in the courtship cycle and we're always feeding it with energy, it will survive, it will sustain itself. But a lot of people back out of the courtship cycle once they reach all these different developmental relational milestones of marriage, living together, children, house ownership, and they think, I no longer have to attract my partner. Yep, you still do. Otherwise, guess what? No attraction exists. I don't I don't want to have to still romance my partner. Why, yes, yes, you do. Otherwise, romance will no longer exist. I don't have to seek eroticism or eroticize my partner. Yes, yes, you do, or eroticism will no longer exist. These are not innate things that just exist on their own. We have to give them attention and participate in them. So that's why I ask all my patients in my practice, especially the couples I work with, what have you done over the course of the week that was a form of relationshiping, a form of keeping that relational system alive? It doesn't inherently exist on its own just because our bodies bump into each other when we climb into bed and climb out of bed. It's got to be intentional. That's a key part of this. So that's one piece of it, the habituation process. We become too familiar. And the more familiar we become with something, the less attention we give it, the less we prioritize it. We start to do the opposite. All right, we're gonna come back and keep talking about this. It's gonna save your relationships. Uh, DMs are open, so if you got a question, topic, drop them in there. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share, and uh, do some of that work on your own. But stick around. We've got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, we're back. And we're talking about why relationships sometimes start to feel boring or flat. And the main reason is because we let it. <laughs> we let that happen. Naturally, because we become overly familiar, you know, think about it, you get a new car or a new pair of shoes and you're like, all right, I'm going to clean these bad boys. No one's going to step on them or your new car. You're like, no one's climbing in this car with dirty shoes. Take your trash when you leave. But what happens a few months or, you know, a few weeks or months and you're like, this old thing, you can eat in it. Oh, I spilled my coffee. That's fine. We don't give it the prioritization and importance it once had because we become familiar with it. We do that to our partners and our relationships. We see them as durable, resilient. Oh, we're married. We're, we're monogamous. We live together. I can now mistreat it. I don't, I can abandon it a little bit. And that's what happens. And so understandably, the relationship feels the way it would if that's how you perceive it. If it's those old dirty sneakers that you don't mind hiking in or getting dirty, well, that's how they're going to be seen and how they're going to feel thrown in the back of the closet. So think about that. That's why one of the most important things we always say is when you're in a healthy relationship, you always consider it, but you also protect it. You prioritize it. You don't talk poorly about your partner or your relationship when they're not around. You're always protecting it and prioritizing it. You're always standing up for it. It's primary. You don't have to have a primary securely attached relationship, but at least own that. Say to your partner, I want something casual. I don't want this to be primary. I don't want to think in those terms. I'm okay letting it drift or become boring. But the habituation process is a really big one. Um, another one is some people are used to very unhealthy, toxic relationships. And so they're used to dramatically high highs and then also dramatically low lows. And it's a trap. They're willing to hang in there through the lows because, oh my God, when it's good, it's so good. But that's a very bipolar relationship where it's way up or way down. Healthy relationships are in the middle. They're pretty consistent. But some people aren't familiar with that. And so they see that as a flatness or a boredom. But we can't always be living in Disneyland. At some point, we do have to live a little more locally and just kind of live with the things that just pop up in an ordinary life. Now, of course, that segues, that segues us naturally into that side discussion of like compatibility and chemistry and the idea that just having a relationship rooted in chemistry is just going to be a lot of passion, but not a lot of contentment and peace. And that's where the compatibility piece comes in. But think about that. Is it that your relationship is just healthy and there isn't a lot of conflict and that that's not familiar to you? And so that kind of feels flat. Uh, you're used to instability. You're used to having to always... Yeah. I mean, that burns us out though. Those are very exhausting relational styles. But then when you enter something healthy and it's just always nice and there's nothing horrible, but maybe nothing even dynamically great, people panic. And that's why you have to stay in all this process to try to get back to that greatness stuff. Because relationships can't always be Disneyland. There is a maintenance phase. You know, it's really dynamic in the beginning because it's new. 
And, and again, that newness and novelty. But then we become familiar, we become close, we become consistent, we become safe, we fully attach, and that decreases a little bit. And that's normal. We don't want to panic over that. But we want to then say, I want to make sure I keep adding and infusing this with some elements that make it dynamic. You know, some people, again, they start focusing on other things. Now that I have this, I'll focus on work, I'll focus on fitness, I'll focus on hobbies, of course. But keep that relationship prioritized. Um, sometimes it's also just about a lack of intimacy. Uh, I've used this reference before where you go to a restaurant and you see a couple sitting in uncomfortable silence because no one's willing to really drop any deeper and they've covered the really superficial topics. And that lack of depth is what really keeps you from knowing each other and from learning and growing. And that can start to feel flat and boring. No one's bearing more of themselves. No one's pushing on their edges. And you as a couple maybe aren't doing that either. That's a very important part of keeping a relationship vital. So what you have to do is you have to attempt to push and dig deeper. There's a lot of things that can help you with that. It might sound corny, it might sound contrived, but you have to unfamiliarize yourself with those silences. And you have to unfamiliarize yourself with that constant comfort and safety seeking. And that's why there's some awesome things. There's some cards that have been made that people can take, um, books that have this where you can ask each other deeper questions to normalize and familiarize yourself with having a higher level and deeper level kind of conversation where it's not just like, oh, it's really nice outside. Yes, it is. And then it's like silence. And then someone says, where do you think you want to eat for dinner? Oh, we can go here. Sounds great. And we're always staying very superficial. That's so boring. What have you been thinking about? What are you hoping for? Where's your mind been? Because when someone says, oh, I've just been at work all day. No, you haven't. You've thought and felt a lot of things while at work. You've thought, you've felt, you've dreamed, you've been frustrated, you've been disappointed. Share those parts. That, that's the intimacy piece. But some people shut that off. Or they have like a child-centered marriage, which means they only relate to each other around and through the child. What the child's doing, what the child's not doing. Whenever they're sitting in silence, that's the topic, or they only talk about work. Put a pause on some of that. We're not gonna talk about work. We're not gonna talk about our children. We're gonna talk about us, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're needing, what we're wanting. And what can also help is to go have an experience together. Go have a shared experience. Often the problem is that we're no longer having dates. We're no longer leaving the house and participating in the world together. Go to a restaurant, go see art, go to a movie, go window shopping, go to a park, see things, feel things, talk about what you're seeing, talk about what you're feeling. But part of that boredom is because you're only relating in the context of your home and then you're left only talking about the things that are around you. Go have experiences. It's free, it's easy, it's local, it's accessible, it doesn't require a lot of time. Get in the habit of doing that. Otherwise, your relationship will start to feel flat and boring because you've allowed it to go there. So really, really, really sit and think about that because that's part of it sometimes is we haven't left the house and we're only ever relating around the same topics and we're both playing it very, very, very safe around what we talk about. And that doesn't have sustainability. And if it does, it's not a really, 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 really high quality relationality. Uh, okay, we're going to come back and talk about this and then we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got some DMs, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and uh, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes. Uh, stick around though. We got a whole lot more to come. Going to save those relationships. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, we're kind of unpacking and talking about what to do if you feel as though your relationship is womp, womp, womp. I mean, the first thing is don't ever let it get there. Always keep it fresh and dynamic. Keep dating. Keep going out and having experiences. Don't get so focused on comfort. Every night can't be a sweatpants and blockbuster night. That starts to get boring. You and your partner have to have new novel experiences together. Stay in that. Keep attracting, keep flirting, keep romancing. Those things are so important. Don't let that go. But again, what's beautiful is relationships have a plasticity. They are always malleable and changeable just by one person within that system being different. The other thing we were talking about is the fact that for some people, they're so used to a lot of high drama and conflict that they don't know what it's like to be in a healthy relationship, which is more even and balanced. And so to them, they interpret that as boring or flat. Good luck. Because if you don't learn how to tolerate that and see the value in that and the safety in that, you're always gonna be in these very unhealthy relationships that will burn you out. Also, it might be that you guys have different love languages. You're not really relating to each other in the ways that make you both feel cared for or loved. Remember, love languages aren't real things. They're starting points, they're metaphors. There's a thousand versions of this. They can change, they can be person by person, relationship by relationship. But the point is, understand how your partner most feels attractive, cared for, and do that. But also try to understand how they show that to you and see it as such. Sometimes that's the problem. They're doing it in a way that isn't registering and you need to talk about it. Ask, how do you most feel loved and cared for? How do you most feel desired by me? And then provide that. Have a conversation about it. Couples need to have more conversations. Just like I'm always saying, if you're monogamous, talk about what that word means and what are the limits of that and what are the expectations? We have to talk out and tell people who who we are and what we need. We wanna have our partner, we wanna give our partner a copy of our owner's manual. So if you're in a relationship with anyone, you wanna know their owner's manual, you wanna know what they need and what they require so they can get that, receive that, and feel that. Communication, the, the success and quality of communication is dictated by how it lands on the listener. So it's not about your intent, it's about the impact. Great that you have awesome intentions, but if it's not landing on them, they're not hearing and feeling what you want them to hear and feel, then you're communicating wrong. And sometimes that's the problem. That's the problem. We haven't talked about that. Sometimes it's also that we haven't shared who we are with someone. They don't even know what we might enjoy doing. Because again, we're not dropping deeper into those levels of intimacy that make us anxious. There's a lot of couples I work with that decades in are still revealing parts of themselves to each other because they were maybe raised in a family where no one spoke vulnerably, where they didn't understand what affection looked like. They didn't understand romance. You know, and there's other reasons how that comes to be, but sometimes it's family of origin stuff. You know, were you raised around parents that were flirting and kissing and cuddling and complimenting and, and celebrating? Or were you raised in a family where your parents fought and they were harsh and they were hard and they were mean and they put each other down. You know, some of that early environment that gets normalized in us and sometimes we move towards it or we move away from it. It really depends, but ask yourself like what, what's my relational style? What kind of partner am I? Am I someone who's always controlling? Let me frame it better. First, you want to know what your relational style is and you could be uh, someone who's more critique based where you're always uh, talking about, pointing out, and hyper-focused on what's wrong versus being more gratitude-based where you're focused on and calling out what's right and what, you, and what you value. Both are real. You get to choose which reality you live in. So are you critique-based or gratitude-based? Then there's other people that are more perfection-centered. They want everything done a right way, their way. Or are you more grace-based? 
which can feel like a little bit of a religious term. I need a better word because this is my, my theory, but some people they're perfection based where they want it done the right way or the wrong way. They're frustrated and they demand that or grace based, which means they understand that people have their own way of doing things and that it's okay. If someone does things differently, there's no right way to load the dishwasher. It's not a law. I don't care what the manual says. It's a dishwasher. Let it go, who cares? But some people get hung up on that. How you make the bed, how you load the dishwasher. You are being critique-based and perfection-centered, and that is exhausting. You are exhausting, and that is not being a kind partner. Instead, be gratitude-based. Instead of focusing on what they didn't do, focus on what they did do. Neither, both of them are honest positions. Take the one that's more effective and loving. Instead of being so perfection-centered, give them grace. They're going to do things the wrong way, their way. Also, are you maybe a control, is a relational style control where you have to control everything that's driven from anxiety or are you more trust and freedom based, which is the goal where you say, I love you, I trust you and I let you live your life. I'm not going to always ask you who you're with, where you're going, going through your phone. So ask yourself that. Am I critique based, perfection based, control based? I need to do the opposite. Because that relational style is part of what flattens out relationships. You're not safe for your partner to be around because they're always feeling like they're doing something wrong. They're always feeling like it's not done your way. They're always feeling trapped with you. That will shut down a relationship. They might not leave. God bless them, they should. So identify what's your style and do the positive version of that, the opposite of that. We need to understand ourselves more. We don't have enough understanding of ourselves. Everyone should know more than just their gender and their sexual orientation. Also know your relational style and what the, what the necessary changes in that are. And we can learn how well we're doing based on how we impact our partners. All right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna do some DMs. So if you got a question, drop them in there. Otherwise, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline. Or Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Christine, and I think I might be getting catfished. Met someone on a dating app. He lives in New York. I'm down in Philly. Ooh, I'm a Philly boy. All right, Philly. So it's not super far. I said many times that I would come up and visit, but he keeps saying no because of COVID. Ah, see, there it is. COVID defense, the COVID defense. It's reasonable. It makes sense. It might be true, but it also might not be. Uh, you said, okay, fine. But we've, wait, we have FaceTime before. Oh God. But his camera was on the ground. So all I could see were his feet. He said he was embarrassed because he was at work and didn't want me to see what he had to wear to work. What can I do? do to ask him to prove who he is oh man yeah that's a hard sell how about what's your instagram how about you type his name into facebook how about you say send me some other photos how about you say hey let's hop on facetime when you get home from work or tomorrow i would say if i'm not able to see you on facetime the next couple days i have to stop talking to you because there's something you don't want me to see your encounter. And if we're gonna keep working on this relationship and putting energy into it, I have to be able to see who you are. Attraction matters for romantic and sexual, for, you know, when you date, it's about romance and sexuality. You, you, physical attraction is an important part of that. Never undermine that. So set a hard boundary. I, I, can't, can, I cannot continue to talk to you unless you get on FaceTime with me. 
I'm going to believe that either this person isn't the real person or there's something going on that maybe they're not comfortable with currently. Um, but either way, you have a right to have an explanation at this point. And um, yeah, I wouldn't keep talking to someone who's only letting you see their feet. Uh, we'll just leave it at that one. Uh, we'll go to another one. Hey, Dr. Chris, I've been with my girlfriend for over three years. When we started dating, we were 21 and now we're both 26. This is the best and the worst thing about our relationship. We want to see each other in our futures and I want her to be the mother of my kids. Both of our families love each other, but I think maybe we need a break. I think we might need to experience some life on our own, grow a little bit, and then come back when we're ready. When I brought it up, she got upset and said that it's because I want to cheat on her. <laughs> I just want us to go off and have some experiences and then come back. Am I wrong? Man, that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I think it's appropriate for your, this other person to say, I, I'm not necessarily wanting to hold space and, and stay single and wait for you to come back. I, I, why, why can't you go experience things while also within a relationship? I always challenge that idea. Um, if this is someone you care about and someone you want in your life, you can't ask them to wait for you. So you might risk losing them if they, during that time, date other people, et cetera, et cetera. But what is it you need to go to do? What is it you need to go do that you can't also experience or do while in a relationship? Being in a relationship doesn't mean you have to always be with them and you can't do things on your own or without them. Go travel on your own without them. That's fair. Go spend a weekend away without them. That's fair. Go spend certain weeknights alone or without them. That's fair. So that's my bigger question. Why can't they still be a presence in your life to some capacity while you're experiencing these things? Because I think it's, again, a risk to say, yo, hang in there and wait for me, but I'm going to peace out for a while. And also, what are the expectations that you want on them in the relationship while you're, quote unquote, taking time to experience things? Is it that you're unsure about them, although you claim not to be? Um, is it that, yeah, I, 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 I'm missing. There's something in there I'm missing. Um, but... There's nothing wrong with what you're requesting. It's just not common. And I'm just confused as to why you can't do it while with them and why you're willing to risk losing them unless you're expecting them to still see you as a primary exclusive partner while you're taking quote unquote time apart. And then my question still goes back to what does that mean? So I, I need a little bit of clarification, but I like to believe that we can build relationships with people where they're our primary and we're still living our lives fully because when someone enters our life, it should get bigger, not smaller. And we should still be able to participate in, in some time alone, time just with our friends without our partner, time with our family members without our partner, and also time with them. So um, nothing wrong with what you're requesting. It's just not typical, and I think there's a lot of risk in it. That's a rough one. I wish I had more information. All right, that's the DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, stick around, y'all. We got more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about all the different things that lead to relationships feeling flat, boring, bad. And, you know, it's really important that we understand our, our and our partner's sexuality. It's more than just, I like dudes, I like girls, I like everybody. It's what, where, why, when, how, sights, sounds, smells. You have to understand the totality of it. It's called your arousal template. It's all the things that turn you on. That is a vital part of being someone's sexual relational partner, especially if you're monogamous because... 
because this is the person who you are taking your sexuality to. This is the your one and only big moment for partnered sexuality. Thank God we have solo sexuality, which is outside of our partner's needs or control, and that's about autonomy and privacy, and that's us in relationship to ourselves, and that's our own private stuff. But in partnered sex, if you're monogamous, yeah, I want them to know what you like in partnered sex. It's like saying, yeah, you're gonna be my private chef, and you're gonna be the only person that cooks my meals and who I eat with, but I'm not gonna tell you about all the different ingredients I enjoy and the spices and the flavors. How ridiculous would that sound? So this person's just gonna, what, read your mind, wing it, and go off their own experience? That sounds like a really horrible meal that is gonna be your only meal every night. That's how monogamy works. But a lot of people withhold their true sexuality out of anxiety or fear or lack of knowledge, and yet this person is your is your go-to for that. So every relationship has to walk through and talk about that. When, where, why, when, how. Doesn't always mean you're gonna get it, but it helps us understand who you are and we can get as close to that as possible. So please make sure you've talked about that. That is vital, but we can only do that within safe relationships with a mature, sophisticated partner because some people get upset and triggered when we talk about the things that we like, the kinds of people we like and all of that. So be very, very, very thoughtful. The other thing you want to talk about is, we've talked about a little bit, is love languages. How do you most feel cared for and loved? You can make up what those words are. You don't have to follow the standard book because that book isn't necessarily 100% dead on. It, it misses a few pieces or leaves a few things out. Some people feel cared for by compliments. Some people feel cared for by time together. Some people feel cared for by sexuality and romanticism. Some people feel cared for when you do things for them or purchase them something. These, these aren't diehard either though. You can't say, I only feel loved when you buy me things, so you better buy me a lot of things. Grow up. We have a little more fluidity than that. Very few people are just one thing only in whatever category we're talking about, right? And you have to also understand what your partner needs. So it's about you making yourself known, them making themselves known, and we bring that all together. We also want to talk about our attachment style. Are you someone who's more anxious, someone who's more avoidant? Because we don't want our partners to personalize that. If you're avoidant, it has nothing to do with them. This is a built-in system where closeness and intimacy scares you. And so you tend to lean out and you like more distance and space. Your partner needs to know that so that they don't personalize it and so that they can give you that space. Just like if you're anxiously attached, I want them to know that. Where it means a lot to you that they stay close, that they stay connected, that they compliment you a lot. Make that known. There's no shame in our attachment style. We let someone know who we are and what what we need. And then there's the more secure version, which is like, I'm, I'm kind of cool. You know, my needs get met. And then finally, we're talking about relational style. And I know I'm, bull I'm going blowing through these because the segment isn't really about this. But again, are we critique based? Are we perfection based? Are we control based? Really understanding what our work is, because that's really what this is about. Like, what do we need to work on? How do I relate to people? What are the positives and what are the negatives? And how can I work on kind of changing some of that? Because when we're in a primary committed relationship, our partner's in our care and we're in their care. And so we have to understand these pieces. But most couples have never talked about this. They think you're hot, you think I'm hot, high five, let's do this. It's bigger than that because your mental health is on the line. And since your mental health is on the line, your job is impacted by this, your friendships are impacted by this, your relationship with your hobbies and your dreams and your goals and your future are impacted by this. Take that seriously. Some people just blow in and they don't consider all this, but these are the things that you should be using to assess compatibility. Your sexualities, your relational styles, your attachment styles, your love language. Oh yeah, 
because we can't always be with the person we want to be with. It doesn't matter who you want to be with, how much you enjoy them, how hot you think they are. Sometimes we still aren't compatible on the other necessary levels to choose a long-term primary exclusive partnership. That's an unfortunate thing. We can't always have everything we want the way we want it. And so talk about those factors. Please make yourself known. That's, this is just also an intimacy building exercise, you know, talking through those things and about those things. But that's kind of some of the stuff I assess when I'm doing an intake with a couple that I'm going to be working with clinically is that we, we, we cover that. Maybe not always overtly and directly, but covertly and indirectly, we're always cycling through and assessing those things. And I wish people had access to that to decide before they enter a relationship. Like we should essentially have that as a checklist in our mind when we're going on initial early dates all these different pieces and how well that we connect around them. Cause that's what, that's what determines the quality and sustainability of a relationship. Those factors, not whether or not you have things in common, we can hum up not, not, you know, not whether or not, you know, someone's height meets a certain requirement or how much money they make. We, f- we focus too much on form and not on content. We focus too much on the aesthetics and not on the internal. And that really, that's really what matters more. All right, we're going to come back and um, keep talking about this. We're going to try to save your relationships. Past episodes of the show, though, uh, go back and listen. is over at wearechannelq.com because you might want to go back and re-listen and take some notes. But uh, stick around. We're not going anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about relational boredom. Uh, puts terror and fear into all of us because we don't enter relationships to make our lives harder. Think about that one. We don't enter relationships to make things more complex and difficult. Quite the opposite. We want to have companionship, borrowed functioning, someone to bring a little bit of joy and excitement to our lives. Um, for some people, it comes sooner than later. And there's a lot of things we can do. We're kind of talking about that. Um, we're, we're, we're focusing right now more on the resolve. And uh, first off, you got to also be able to call it out. You know, it's okay for us to acknowledge the current state of our relationships. I'm a big advocate for those check-ins. And you want to say like, hey, honey, how are you feeling about this? Uh, I feel as though a lot of the excitement, the novelty, the energy has, has shifted. We're maybe not prioritizing our time. We're not going out in the world and having shared experiences. But you want to talk about it because you want to have your partner on the same side. You know, this is something that you both have to kind of tackle. And we talked about just changing your general routine. And that's something we talk about with sex, but also relationships in general outside of the sexual piece is we get into habits where we get lazy and anything that we get lazy around is going to understandably feel as such, right? We're not putting energy. We're not putting focus. We're not putting any attention into it. And so you want to break up your routine. And I appreciate that our lives, we have a lot to focus on, but, um, this should be the center point more so than anything else. Um, so that's why we're trying to kind of shift things up. And what's really great is it's just the smallest changes and tweaks that are necessary. Another thing you can think about is also changing your environment. I know that's an odd structural shift, but that can also matter. And not only because it could be something you can do together, but sometimes you need to symbolically make changes. People will leave a relationship um, and then they want their home to look different. People might realize there is a new part of their identity they're stepping into, so they change the decorations in their office or their bedroom. People might realize I want my home to be more of a sanctuary, so I'm gonna bring in softer lighting, softer art, softer fabrics, because we're always keeping an eye on pleasure 
and we want to be around things that make us smile and feel good. So make sure your home is pleasure centered. Um, you don't have to be cool, the newest, the coolest, the flashiest. Make it comfortable. Is the couch comfortable? Are the blankets comfortable? Is the temperature comfortable? Is the wall color comfortable? What kind of environment is it that you're trying to participate in? Even in the bedroom, is the dog sleeping between us? Put that dirty ass thing in the other room. Your dirty, dirty dog with its dirty feet should not be in the bed between the two of you. I don't care how much it'll beg or cry, it'll get comfortable being on the floor next to the bed or in a different room. And, and if not, then you better look your partner straight in the face and say the dog's comfort means more to me than your comfort. That is, things like that matter. Are you cleaning your bed sheets? What does it feel like to sit on a dirty, smelly couch or in a bed with sheets that haven't been washed? Are the plants in your bedroom dying? Open the window, let some light in. Like all of these things matter. We talk a lot about that. People that feel good in their lives, their homes are maybe tidier or cleaner because things being left around and undone can often make us feel depressive. It can depress us. So like pay attention to your room. Is this room inviting? Is your room warm? What's your living room feel like? Like these little things matter. I also came across some interesting stuff in some of the research saying, create a bucket list for your relationship, thinking of all the things you want to do together. I love things like that because when we're hungry, when we're bored, when we want to go do something, in that moment, it's sometimes hard to be creative. If we put a list together that we're, 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 we're curating throughout the day, throughout the week of all the interesting things we want to do or get back to doing, then when the weekend arrives, you can have it planned. I'm a big fan of people planning and having an idea of what we can do and when we can do it. It doesn't have to be rigid, but it doesn't leave us struggling or panicking in the last moment. We can also put the list together. We can put the list together together. Is that how you would say that? Together we can create this list. You can have it in a shared document on your separate phones. You can put it on the fridge. Always adding to it. Shows, exhibits, movies, concerts, outdoor things. Both, But that's why it goes back to the fact we have to talk about this. But that's an amazing thing to do because, again, we want to go have new novel and shared experiences. Um, and that's why, like when we talk about date days and date nights and quickies and longer versions, it's all, it's all an important part of all this, um, taking up a new hobby together. I think there's also something really beautiful and exciting in that going out and taking a class together or participating in some athletic thing where you're playing golf or you're hiking together. Again, it's all about that time together where we can make eye contact, where we can talk and we're doing it in new novel experiences that we are sharing. And those are all the key qualities in that. Because again, remember, if you're doing the same thing all the time and you're focusing more on comfort, that is the formula that leads to boredom. Think about it in your own life. What's more interesting? The same old routine or switching it up, trying a new place for lunch, trying a new route to work, getting a new dress shirt to wear to the office. We are well aware <laughs> of what we need to do to often make our personal lives feel interesting, new and dynamic, new movies, new songs, but we don't always apply that to our relationships. Our relationships often get leftovers and scraps because we don't think that they are active systems that need constant change and in input. It's wild how we do that, especially when we reach these relational milestones. That's when we really start to back off and back down. It's actually when we need it the most. So ask yourself that. You know, and, and again, I will always say this, there's something really importantly diagnostic of you realizing I'm unwilling to do this. Sit with why that is. Does your relationship and partner no longer have meaning and value to you? And if that is the truth, you need to talk about that. Don't keep each other held hostage because you're afraid of talking about what's necessary or actually talking about shifting, changing, or leaving. There's nothing scarier and more heartbreaking than couples staying together miserably, moving around through their lives together in silence in discomfort and in boredom. 
That's not what it's about. That's not why we do this. They don't have to be that way, but it takes effort and it takes work and it can't get your leftovers. You can't work all day, give work all of your energy and focus, and then give your relationship and family when you get home the leftovers. Leave work earlier. I tell everyone, work at your jobs 70% max. Do not give your job 100%. You need to not be living in burnout so you have time and energy for joy, pleasure, hobbies, and family. Most of you are able to work from home. Request that. We're trying to, we're trying to do four-day work weeks. Request that so that you have time and energy and focus for the things that actually matter, people, relationships. We know from studies of people dying on their deathbeds that what they wish they had done more is spend time with their family and friends. Not, not, not done more at work or whatever labor-based things they have. All right, we're gonna be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion on relational boredom because it doesn't have to and shouldn't have to be boring. Making sure we're given the energy and attention and focus that the relationship requires. And the main solution is never let all of that go. And then it's not something you have to work on rebuilding. And once we get it, keep it. And a few other things to consider. Uh, make sure you're focusing first also on your own self-care. Sometimes our relational boredom is born out of us having lower uh, body esteem, sexual esteem, self-esteem, and we don't feel good about that which we're presenting or bringing into our relationship or bringing to our partner. We talk about that a lot with sex. You have to feel good about what you're presenting to your partner, your sexuality and your body. It's relationally something to consider as well. Do you feel like you can tolerate intimacy and closeness. Do you feel good about being connected with? There might be some work to do within that. Um, working on building more physical intimacy. Do you do a daily act? Every single day we should be romanticizing our partner in some form, a note, a wink, a message, a picture. So that could be some of this. It might be bored because you've withdrawn that romanticism, that eroticism. Keep flirting and eroticizing your partner. They're your romantic sexual partner. They're not your friend or your roommate. This should be a relationship that is strengthened and infused with eroticism, flirtation, sexuality. Yes, that is the commitment we make when we say you will be my primary partner, especially if you're monogamous. Check yourself. If you've settled into a monogamous relationship and you're withholding those things, no willing to, not, not any longer willing to participate in those things, the monogamy is not right for you. Exit open up or work on it, but we can't force celibacy and boredom and flatness out of safety because we don't want to anxiously have to go back out into the single world. That is not being a good relational partner. So work on physical intimacy, work on emotional intimacy, work on creating shared experiences and hobbies. If you're not willing to do the work, as I keep saying, that is diagnostic of an issue within you or within the relationship. Address it, work on it, or exit, but we don't want to just stay stuck. So again, work on yourself, work on the physicality, the emotionality, work on shared habits. Also, be willing to have arguments. Conflict is a healthy sign of a relationship operating optimally. The issue isn't whether or not we have conflict. The issue is how we manage conflict, who we are as partners during conflict. We stay soft and loving and also our willingness and ability to repair. It doesn't matter who started it. Adults don't think in those terms. Children do. Children think in terms of fairness. Adults think in terms of if I love you and I care about our relationship, I'm always open and willing to do the repair. You never play the game whose job it is, who started it. Those are the key elements of this. And as I keep saying, this is where we learn about ourselves. This is where we learn where our work is. What of the things I've mentioned makes you feel anxious? What of the things I've mentioned requires the most attention? Start with yourself first. We're, we're, before we start diagnosing our partner or blaming them, 
We have to do our work first. I always say that in my office. Until you can tell me that you are A-plusing this, I don't even want to hear about what your partner's doing or not doing because they're on the receiving end of what you're doing or not doing. And you, unilaterally, as part of that system, any improvements or changes you make inherently improve and change that system. So be willing to do the work yourself and be willing to work on yourself. But those are, those are the core elements and those are the things that people tend to stumble over. So be willing to do that work. And that's why it all really comes down to also sitting down and talking and just saying to each other, what's going on? How did we get here? Because it might be something you're not aware of that your partner can bring forward. Maybe it's medication. Maybe they have a mental health issue right now. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they have anxiety. Maybe their you know, self-esteem is tanked as a result of something that's happened at work or in their friend circle. Um, all of these things are interconnected. Mental health is never this one targeted thing. That's why we can't take a pill to resolve things. Some things are contextual, situational, relational. No medication is going to resolve that. And often they're all interwoven where one thing enhances or amplifies other factors. So you want to sit down and talk about all of that. But the goal again should not be to allow this to persist. So target it, work on it. Because relationships have to be able to hit phases where they're more maintenance-based, but they shouldn't ever feel arduous or taxing. And again, if as you're entering the dating world or entering new relationships, you always keep this work at play, well, you're going to be better off. But relationships, as I always say, are plastic and malleable. And so there's no such thing as it's too far along unless one or both of you are just full of resentment and anger and unwilling to, to budge or do the work. And then we have a non-starter. You know, and then it's, and then it's time to talk about conscious uncoupling, you know, as a couple deciding that we've done all we can do, we're no longer willing to work on it as a couple lovingly deciding how to part ways and separate. And as a couple lovingly stepping into that process and maybe moving into some form of friendship, but, um, that's kind of the commitment we have to make. If you're going to be in relationships, you have to be willing to do all this work, you know, um, Anywho, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Questions you got helping someone else as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous and confidential. Drop those questions in the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Also, put in there topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Hit again. It's all about that repetition. And uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. You can re-listen, share, binge. Take notes, <laughs> you know, identify yourself first. We're always starting by looking at ourselves first in relationship to these topics, and then we can turn the focus onto our partner. Uh, but we are channelq.com is where you want to go. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there.
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I gave birth to my son about eight months ago. Congrats. We've been doing pretty well, but I realized that my husband has changed a little bit. He's not as energetic. He's not as fun. And he just wants to stay home with the baby instead of going out on date nights or seeing our friends. Can men experience depression after their child is born too? A hundred percent. Men also, this is, this is what's so distressing to me is we really gender things and we think women are innate natural caregivers. No, no, no. Everyone has the capacity to be a caregiver if they're socialized into that skill set. But we socialize men away from caregiving and away from emotions, literally from birth. We treat men and male babies differently. We're rougher with them. Men also play sports where they're side by side and it's all about competition and performance, where girls tend to play games in their youth where it's face-to-face and it's intimacy building. Very different, and we often don't even give men the opportunity to try to be a caregiver. But as we've seen with single fathers and gay male couples, they crush it. It's just sometimes different. Children just need primary caregivers. They don't need gender training and gender socialization. In fact, that's often a trauma. They're forced into participating in certain things, liking certain things, wearing certain things. So yes, men also love their child. Men also want to nest and be a part of their child's life. Men also want to be present. Men also have emotional shifts and changes as the result of birthing a baby. They might not physically birth the baby, but emotionally and psychologically, they are in it as well. So yes, men can have different experiences of childbirth also. We got another one that says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Aaron. I've been dating this guy for almost eight months. We got Coachella tickets together. He had asked me what I thought about maybe being single at Coachella. Like we're going to go together, but if we each find someone attractive, we might give each other passes for the weekend. I told him I wanted to think about it. All my friends think it's ridiculous. Now, I'm just feeling like if I say no, he won't go with me. If your part, (laughs) everyone has to be able to be told no. Let me just start with that. And if you don't feel safe saying no, then I don't trust 
or have confidence in your yes, because then it's being done under duress. It's not a true yes. And how couples deal with disappointment and conflict really tells us about how much they care for us and how much trust and how much commitment they have. So, you know, again, if I bought tickets with someone to go to a concert, it's usually because I want to spend that time with them. If I bought tickets to go to Coachella, which is not my jam and I would never do it. It's very overwhelming in my head, but yeah, I'd want to spend the weekend with them. So be honest, your job isn't to be liked and your job isn't to always center what this other person needs. So I'd be honest. I want to go to Coachella with you. I want to spend it with you. If you want to have sex with others, let's talk about that. Maybe when we get back home, but while we're there, (laughs) I want to be there with you. It's called a shared experience. It's called a romantic weekend. So I think it's very understandable and reasonable that you didn't buy these tickets to go spend the weekend on your own. Cause that's, that could be what happens in imbalance, which also he's really misunderstanding. What if you met someone, if you said yes, and he's spending the weekend alone, like, are there other people there, you know, because if there's a potentiality that he's off with someone and you're spending it by yourself, what a horrible way to spend a concert weekend, um, as opposed to using it to bond. So be honest, that doesn't feel comfortable for me. I don't feel comfortable telling you no. And um, I have to be able to tell you no, and my needs have to matter. And I wanted this to be a romantic bonding weekend. I think that that's very fair. And I think that's very appropriate. But then you also have to be open to hearing his response back because he might say, that is what this is about for me. So there's no right answer or wrong answer. There, there really never is a right or wrong. It's more about preferences and how couples manage a preference is what matters most to me. And that's why I'm usually more about the process and less about the content because there's always gonna be things that are frustrating or disappointing and I want you both to be able to manage it well. So this is an opportunity to practice that. But looking at the content specifically, yeah, I think it's very fair that you had a plan to spend it with him for the weekend and you can ask him to still be a part of that. And maybe we can try being with others when we get home. Um, so talk it out, you know, more to come. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Um, spend the rest of the night, though, focused on self-care. We need to work less hit 70% max. We're not trying to burn out. Focus more on joy and pleasure, you know, some leisure. Um, But we'll be back tomorrow night. So join us then. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. Y'all enjoy the rest of the night. Be kind to each other and have a good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 